Hello and welcome back to my channel. Today we are going to be talking about 20-year-old Vanessa Guillen from Fort Hood, Texas. Vanessa disappeared in April of this year and this case is very disappointing, confusing, and raises so many questions. It's gathered a ton of national attention and today we're going to discuss the details of what happened and just why it has gained so much national attention. But before I do get started, I want to remind you to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any future videos. And if there are any other cases that you think I should cover, just leave it in the comments. And without further ado, let's get started. Vanessa Guillen was a 20-year-old U.S. Army soldier from Houston, Texas. She was born on September 30th of 1999. Her parents were Rogelio and Gloria Guillen. When she was born, doctors didn't expect her to live past 15 days. She had a medical condition and I wasn't able to find what that condition was, but doctors gave her a pretty slim chance of surviving and she beat all the odds. Her mom prayed for her to pull through and she did just that. And she grew up to be a stunning, beautiful, athletic, smart, kind-hearted, compassionate girl. And everyone who knew her loved her. She played soccer, she loved to jog, she was avid about sports and learning, she graduated in the top 15% of her class, and after she graduated, she joined the Army in 2018 and was trained as a 9-1-F small arms artillery repair. Vanessa went missing on April 22nd of this year, but before she went missing, she had told her sisters Lupe and Myra that she was being sexually harassed by an unnamed sergeant at Fort Hood. It was reported that while she was taking a shower, a superior came into the bathroom, sat down, and watched her. It was also reported by other female soldiers that this was kind of a frequent thing, that sexual harassment was almost normalized, and when comments got made, a lot of times they were just brushed under the rug. But her family urged her to tell someone and to make a report, and when they asked her why she hadn't, Vanessa complained that a lot of times the female soldiers went unheard if they made claims of sexual harassment. And not only that, but they were often retaliated against. So she was afraid that if she reported this sexual harassment, then she would face retribution for doing so. So she told her family she would handle it herself. Then on April 22nd of this year, Vanessa was contacted by a fellow soldier, Aaron David Robinson, via text to deliver paperwork regarding a machine gun that needed to be serviced. She was actually not scheduled to work that day, but she came in anyway, and that was the last time she was seen. They searched the building where she was last seen, and they found her wallet, her phone, her keys, and her ID card in the workshop where she worked. And after a search of Vanessa's phone, it was found that the last person she communicated with that day was Aaron Robinson. So the police go to Aaron and ask him what his last interaction was with Vanessa. And he reports that they had an argument regarding Aaron's relationship with the estranged wife of another soldier, Cecily Aguilar. Aguilar was married to another soldier. So the fact that Cecily and Aaron were having an extramarital affair was a huge deal because in the military, this is highly frowned upon. So the initial theory was that Aaron played a part in Vanessa's disappearance because if Vanessa went to a superior with this type of information, it could very drastically affect Aaron's future in the military. When they asked him where he was that night, Aaron said that he went off base to visit his girlfriend, Cecily, 
but when they checked his phone records, it showed that he had called her multiple times throughout the night. So why would he be calling Cecily if he was with Cecily? When they asked Cecily about this, her answer was that she lost her phone multiple times that night. So Aaron was calling the phone so that it would ring and they would be able to hear it and go find it. The problem with that though, is that each call lasted several minutes. And usually if you're looking for your phone and you have someone call your phone, you either don't answer it because, hey, you found it, or you answer it really quick to say, hey, I found my phone, thanks, and hang up. But these calls were several minutes long. Law enforcement also tracked their cell phones and found that both Aaron and Cecily had been traveling along the Leon River that night. And their excuse was that they were just being romantic and looking at the stars along the river. That was their story. It wasn't until May 18th, almost an entire month later, that two witnesses finally come forward and say that they saw Aaron carrying a tough box out of the base to his car and that he appeared to be struggling to carry this tough box because it appeared to be very heavy. He was struggling to get it into his car, struggling to get it to his car. And if you don't know, these big tough boxes are essentially just what they sound like. They're a big plastic tub made of a very tough, rugged material, usually used for transporting something like tools or just heavy equipment. Then on June 21st, another month after that, they finally take initiative to go look along the Leon River where their cell phones were reporting their tracks and they locate the burned lid of a Pelican transport case, but fail to find a body. June 30th at about 1 p.m., contractors working on a fence near the Leon River discover partial human remains that would later be confirmed to be Vanessa's and notify law enforcement. At about 8.30 p.m. that night, Cecily was interviewed again and told law enforcement officials about the fact that Aaron did kill Vanessa. Cecily told officials that Aaron killed Vanessa while they were in the workshop on base. She said that he told Cecily he attacked her with a hammer, bludgeoned her to death, and then put her in the tough box, and that they together took her body to Leon River, dismembered her body, tried to burn pieces of her body, and when they realized that their plan wasn't working because it actually takes a very high degree of temperature to burn a human body, they instead dug holes along the river, buried her body there, and poured quick concrete on top of her body to conceal the evidence. So investigators immediately go look for Aaron, and Aaron was actually supposed to be held up in his room on the base. They were keeping him there, and they allegedly told him it was due to COVID reasons, but they really wanted to protect him and keep him put because he was a person of interest in this case. But once he started seeing on the news that pieces of Vanessa's body had been found, he started freaking out, texting Cecily. And, and when Cecily told the police what had happened, they went to look for him and he was gone. And when police finally caught up with him and approached him, he pulled out a gun and shot himself. So last week, Cecily Aguilar made an appearance in federal court to plead not guilty to the three charges that have been placed against her. Those charges include one count of conspiracy to tamper with evidence and two substantive counts of tampering with evidence. Aguilar faces up to 20 years in federal prison for each count upon convic conviction. Here is her mugshot, which is quite different than the pictures that she posts on Instagram. Um, I took a look at some of her Instagram posts and the posts are so eerie and disturbing. Um, it looks like a totally different person. Hashtag catfish. 
This particular post was made on May 1st. So this is after the murder, but before Aaron and Cecily had been questioned or become suspects. The caption says, I loved her, the dark side of her. Any girl can play innocent, but her demons are what drove me wild. Her secrets, her pain, she masks by laughter. Her darkness, she tries so hard to hide. That's what made me fall for her. Here's another one of her posing with what appears to be a bra that's on backwards, but maybe I'm just not hip with the latest fashions. Here's one of her that she posted March 11th. I don't know how her estranged husband or boyfriend would feel about this, but it says DM for information on buying pictures, hashtag feet pictures for sale, hashtag pics for sale, hashtag buy me, hashtag follow me. And her shirt says, I have no tits. Where are your parents? Here's another post from May 1st after the murder of Vanessa Guillen. And it says, he showed her the darkest part of him. She said, black is my favorite color. Here's another one from the same day. It says, I will not have you without the darkness that hides within you. I will not let you have me without the madness that makes me. If our demons cannot dance, neither can we. So these are just really eerie considering what we know now and the timeline of what we know now. Um, it kind of just shows you what type of person Cecily Aguilar is. And you know, it is such a stark contrast beside the beauty, grace, bravery, and courage that was Vanessa Guillen. You know, this story is absolutely heartbreaking. And you know, according to Cecily, the story was that Aaron attacked her because Vanessa threatened to tell authorities about their relationship, which would get him into trouble. However, I don't think that's the case. I think she probably had information on the way that Aaron had been treating her, that Aaron was probably the one that was sexually assaulting her. She probably confronted him about it, maybe told him that she was going to make a report on it and he lost it. But rather than tell Cecily that he is being unfaithful to her, he tells her that she was threatening to destroy his future and tell people about their relationship. It's very wannabe Romeo and Juliet barf. Enough of that. I really want to focus the rest of this video on talking about Vanessa Guillen, her family. They have really made it their mission to change how things work um, in the military regarding sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual abuse. This was such a tragic and unnecessary loss of such a profound human life. Vanessa Guillen had so much going for her. All she ever wanted was to protect our country. It was her dream since she was 10 years old. And I just find it so heartbreaking that while she was carrying out that mission, she was murdered by someone who we also expected to protect us. This story raises so many questions. One, and most importantly, why should someone be fearful of reporting sexual harassment or sexual abuse? What is going on within the military where female soldiers are so afraid to protect themselves that they're hiding it and then it results in something like this? It makes you wonder, how much the military or the officials or sergeants or whatever were involved in protecting Aaron. Because I'm sorry, but if you bludgeon someone with a hammer in a workshop, there should be blood splatter everywhere. Allegedly, he was only in that room for 45 minutes, which is not enough time for blood splatter or a crime scene to be cleaned up. So the pieces of this story just don't make any sense. 
That room, if it had been thoroughly investigated, should have lit up like the 4th of July if they bothered to test it with luminol, which I think for any criminal investigator, that would be one of the first things you do. If you're investigating a disappearance or a death, then you, you go to the crime scenes. You go where the last person was known to be seen. I mean, I feel like there were so many balls dropped in this story. Who helped him clean up this crime scene? And why weren't there any cameras around that caught him throughout the building or outside of the building? Or how were there not ID cards or key cards getting into the building that could have tracked movement so that they could have questioned these people sooner? This whole thing just seems very confusing to me. And maybe it is because I don't have a deep background in military or the US Army, so I don't know how things really work or how things really are on a base. But I do just think it's very odd how things seem to be so covered up and information was so slow to come out and it just seemed like they were really dragging their feet throughout the whole investigation. Because when you think about it, Vanessa disappeared April 22nd and they didn't interview Cecily Aguilar until June 19th. And those two witnesses that saw Aaron carrying that tough box, they didn't come forward until May 18th. So I almost feel like it's this common knowledge that you just, you don't snitch or you keep things you know to yourself for fear of retribution or for fear of getting in trouble or I don't know, I know that there's this hierarchy and this ranking and so maybe people are afraid to step out of line. Um, however, sometimes you have to do that when someone else's life is on the line. Just this week in Washington, over a dozen women gathered in front of the Capitol, many holding signs. The signs read, ni una mas, meaning not one more, and justice for Vanessa. This gathering was to launch a movement. They encouraged female service members and veterans to use the hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen, to share their stories of sexual harassment or sexual abuse while they were in the military. Essentially, this movement is similar to the Me Too movement. However, it goes one step farther to say, not one more, this cannot go on anymore. This is going beyond the Me Too movement. This is someone who was sexually assaulted, tried to come forward and lost her life because of it. Lawmakers and advocates want to change the chain of command's involvement in investigating and prosecuting sex crimes in the military. An amendment to the fiscal 2021 National Defense Authorization Act, which is being debated in Congress, would require the commandments of US service academies to follow the recommendations of independent prosecutors in cases of sexual harassment and assault, removing those decisions from the chain of command. According to Pentagon data released back in January, reports of sexual assaults at military academies was up 27% last year. The Guillen family and their family attorney planned to create legislation that would establish an independent agency where service members could report sexual harassment and assault rather than going through their chain of command. They plan to release the details of the bill by July 30th, the day after the family is expected to meet with Donald Trump at the White House. So hopefully we can get some laws passed that in the future will protect our female soldiers from this sort of thing ever happening again. In closing, I'm going to put some links in the description of this video for ways that you can support the Guillen family in their movement for change. And until next time, thank you so much for watching.